listen to this. Baloney. He won't float. He doesn't stand for baloney. Everybody, I'm going to go live right here with a full crowd of thousands of people from the Anderson House Hotel. We're going to do questions and answers because I'm standing far enough back to give you full view of all of this. You might miss out. I can't read your questions. I don't know. Maybe I could have somebody follow along and read out questions to me if they come up. But we're going to get started in just a minute. We're going to do. Uh, I'm going to talk about some ghosty stuff paranormal stuff, answer questions from the audience, so uh, just keep scrolling in, saying hi. Thank you very much for coming out tonight. It's great to see all of you online. It's great to have all of you here with us in the room, just so that the people on Facebook know I'm not lying about the thousands of you in the room. Can you make a little noise? Okay, push stop on the recorder. Thank you. See, there's a lot of people here. We're having a good time. Tonight, we're... uh, this is my first time at this beautiful establishment, and uh, we had a chance to ghost hunt last night. We had some weird activity. We get to go out and investigate again tonight, but before these people get to do what they came here to do, they're forced by law to listen to me talk. So I thought I'd bring you along on their journey of misery. Uh, all right, let's see. We've got some questions here. How has being a full-time paranormal investigator changed your home life? That's a great question, Sarah. Well, obviously I'm not home much, which makes them all very happy. Uh, I make money, which makes my children very happy, so they get to go to concerts and see plays and do fun things. Uh, You know, obviously I've missed out on some stuff not being home, but, uh, you know, it's this kind of mixed blessing. I was there for my kids a lot, and then they've been very loving and supportive, my family, about letting me go do these things, and get a chance to travel and do television and radio, so I've been very blessed. You know, my kids have gone through stages of being fascinated and interested in the paranormal, and when they've shown interest, I've taken them with me, and when they don't, I deny they're my children. So, uh, yeah, so that's about the only real change in my life, you know, but now when uh, kids come over, sometimes it's awkward and weird for my, my kids because... Their friends want to know if they can get a picture with TV's Dave Schrader. And that makes them kind of feel weird, you know? That's like, that's just my dad. He's walking around in his underwear and T-shirt. Can I get a picture with him? I'm like, hell yeah, you can! (laughs) So, the only thing that's different now is I have strange children walking through my house wanting pictures with me. How did you make Paranormal Investigation a full-time endeavor and gain a key role on TV? That comes from Shane. I don't know. Luck. Being in the right place at the right time. I've divined this my whole life. I've wanted to do radio. I've loved the paranormal. And I just found an opportunity to marry these two things together and take a run with it. And uh, thankfully, it seems to connect with people. They enjoy the way we talk on the show and share people's information. And um, having those opportunities and becoming kind of a a voice in the field, and what I will say is my proudest achievement, that Josh Gates refers to me as the unofficial mayor of Paranormal Town. (laughs) So, he's like, Schrader, you know everybody. You are the unofficial official mayor of of Paranormal Town. So I want that on my grave 
the mayor of Paranormal Town. Uh, and I've been tied in and I've helped people throughout the years um, get on different TV shows because I've known and they're like, hey, we need somebody for this. Well, you should talk to my friend Shar. Well, we need somebody for this. You should talk to my friend Chip Coffee. Well, we need somebody for this. No, sorry, Greg's not available. Um, <laughs> kind of the way it's worked in the past. Uh, I'd like to say that there was some magic to it. And, you know, everybody wants to tout, follow your dreams, find a way to marry your passion and, and energy into a perfect job. That's a finite thing as well, you know. I mean, it, it's a great concept to be able to do something you love to do and make a career out of it. And I've been extremely lucky, and I understand just how lucky I am. It doesn't work out for everybody. But, uh, oh, sure, when, it, when I'm on his show and he takes shots, you're all giggles and fun. And I poke fun at Greg on my fright time. You guys are all like, ha. Ah. See, they're finally cheering for me picking on Greg. Um, I knew eventually I would win them over. The thing for me was I never did it for fame or glory. I wanted to just do radio because I loved radio. I wanted to talk about the paranormal because I love the paranormal. Yes, I had delusions of grandeur, but it would be great to do a TV show so that I could... And I wanted simply to do the TV stuff to bring more viewers and listeners to the radio program, not the other way around, right? That was always my deal, but then I just got the opportunity to investigate historic sites, meet historic ghosts, and get to tell their story. What bad experiences did you have in the house at Skinwalker Ranch? Well, I've never been to Skinwalker Ranch. I think what you're referring to is Stardust Ranch on the episode of Ghost Adventures. Oh, yeah. Right. Um... Have you had any spirits come home with you after an investigation, Julie asks. Well, as I said, I never got to do Skinwalker Ranch, but working with Ghost Adventures, I just talked to this guy on my radio show who owned a ranch called the Stardust Ranch in Arizona. Zach had reached out to me. He's like, Dave, we really need to find a place like Skinwalker Ranch, which meant he wanted me to try to get them into Skinwalker Ranch. And I tried for a long time, and they just would not accept the invitation. Which is okay, because now there's a great show focused on just that as well. It wasn't a one-off episode. It's an ongoing series. But uh, I said, let me send you this radio episode I just did. And he got a chance to hear this guy. And he's like, yes, let's go there, but only if you'll come with. And I'm like, sure, because he wanted to hang my reputation out on the line. Because if it was a complete flop and failure, well, Dave Schrader brought us. I can't blame him. But we ended up going and uh, had a remarkable time. This place was crazy. For those of you that don't know the Stardust Ranch, just a quick show of hands. How many people saw that episode of Ghost Adventures? Yes. Three of you. Good. Well, my work was not in vain. <laughs> the claims were coming out of this place were fascinating. It was like a mixture of Close Encounters meets, you know, the legend of Boggy Creek meets the Amityville Horror. There were so many different things taking place. This guy had claimed that there was severe... Uh, poltergeist activity that took place there. Um, his wife would levitate off the bed from time to time. She was being sexually assaulted by unseen forces who some he believed to be aliens, some he believed to be cryptid, some he believed to be ghosts. It was very weird, right? And he had these things he called portals on his property that would open up. Interdimensional beings would come through them. And then across the way there were these mountainous range where huge UFOs would be seen hovering over them. And in doing the episode, we went in and we investigated for a little bit, and we were doing the property search and going out in our little 
cool Ghost Adventures golf cart to try to drive through a portal, I guess. <laughs> and when we weren't finding anything, Zach turns to me, because I had had a conversation earlier in the day with Billy Tolly, and I said, yeah, you know, if, if I could, if a UFO landed, I would gladly go aboard because I would want to see it. I mean, I'd want to come back, but I would love to go on board and, and see space. Somehow that went to Zach, who then in the golf cart turned to me and said, Billy tells me you want to be abducted by aliens. <laughs> and in the episode I go, no, but I'd like to go on a UFO. He goes, no, you'd like to be abducted by aliens. And I go, I'd like to be abducted by aliens. <laughs> so he goes, how would you like to do the ultimate ghost adventures challenge? And I'm like, what do I got to do? And he goes, what if while we're investigating the house, we put you up on the mountain by yourself. We'll put up some cameras, we'll track you, and da-da-da-da. Well, what, I'm not stupid. I've been around TV and these people enough to know what he was saying is there's not enough room for you in the house, which is really about us. So we're going to go investigate the house and put you somewhere else so we don't have to worry about you. And I was like, oh, sure, I would love to. And he's like, great, let's do it. So the whole time we're driving up that mountainside, I'm trying to think of what can I do because what I've just officially been told is your part of this episode is over. And for the rookie, it would have been over. <laughs> but I got to the top of the mountain, he's making a big deal out of everything, and then I go, and he goes, and if you need us, it's going to take a while to get up here, Dave, but you have a walkie-talkie. And I handed the walkie to him, and then I reached in my pocket, and I took out my phone, and I handed it to Zach, and I said, no, I want to be cut off. And he said, What? And I said, dude, if they can traverse galaxies or dimensions to get here, they're going to know if I can call for help. <laughs> and I want to have this experience. And there's this great moment in the episode where you see Zach look at me and all of a sudden he goes, he just got more FaceTime on my TV show. <laughs> because we can't possibly leave Dave on a mountainside and not check in on him now. <laughs> So there was a light, an IR light cannon camera that they put on like another part of the mountain shooting in my direction. They gave me night vision goggles. So I'm praying to aliens to show themselves, and I caught something on, on the camera. We show it in the episode. And as I'm standing there, I hear this... And I look over to the direction, and it's by the cannon, the, the light IR cannon and camera. So... Not thinking, I grab my IR goggles and look, and it's all white because I'm staring at IR light. And I pull it down, I'm like, well, crap, I can hear something walking around. And I was okay, except for the fact Billy Tolly had put in my head, are you sure you don't want to take your phone in your walkie-talkie? Dude, if it's not aliens up here, there's still mountain lions and rattlesnakes. You know, and I'm like, hey, let's take the chance, right? When I started hearing the padding around, I was like, oh, crap. This is not going to be good, right? They come up, and now, if they just find remains, that they, I'm never going to make the episode. They'll just edit me all the way out. Spoiler alert. I survived and uh, had a great time. Um, there was nothing scary for me. Per se, and, and everybody was like, Schrader, you've got brass balls, dude. You made Zach look like a wimp because you were willing to go by yourself. And because you guys said that, I've never been invited back on Ghost Adventures. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that I was so brave. First, yes, the exploratory aspect of me, I'd love to see this happen. I would love for the mothership to have come over me and 
beamed me up, right? It didn't happen, but I had a cool experience. In having those moments, you have to decide, what do I want to do? What do I, and I, you know, obviously I joke about, well, I wanted more FaceTime on TV, so I was willing to, to do this stuff. But it was more about just giving myself the pushing past the boundaries of comfort so that we could have a really cool moment and get a chance to see something and be in that environment. And if I get probed by an alien on camera, <laughs> ratings are going to go through the roof, let's be honest, right? They're like, we're going to probe you, only if you do it on camera, please. <laughs> that would be the, uh, the extent of the experience. But everybody was like, hey, Schrader, you're so brave, I can't believe, and I let that go for like about three years, just letting you all think I was Superman for doing it alone. But as I then eventually pointed out to people, hey, let's, let's review the situation. Zach was in a house where there are demonic portals, things raping women, creatures of every size, ghosts, alien encounters, and I was on a hill where they saw some lights. <laughs> I was really kind of in the safest place in that area. But it was a great episode, fun episode to be a part of. Hope that answers your question. Okay. And has anything ever come home with me? Like I said, I can't tell because I don't know where it comes from. You know, I, I've definitely had experiences when I've come back from filming or doing events like this. Never anything I felt I couldn't control or take, you know, take control of. Uh, there's been a few times where it was messing with my kids that I put in a call to Adam Bly and John Zaffis, kind of the godfather of the paranormal, and Adam Bly is a lay demonologist who works with Catholic uh, churches to help with uh, exorcisms. So I feel like I'm in pretty good hands when I call those guys. And they have sent me kits. I have holy water and less salt and everything to try to help out my, my family and children. And none of it has ever been super threatening, but it has been spooky from time to time. One of my favorite experiences was I'd come back from filming an episode of Holzer Files. We had bought a house a block and a half away from this house we were renting. And the house we were renting was very haunted. And lots of weird stuff happened there. Matter of fact, one night while I was on the air live doing my show, all of a sudden the TV goes, volume goes screaming through the house. And my wife runs out there to go check, and I'm like, go find out which one of these idiot kids is up at 1.30 in the morning with the TV up that loud. She goes out there, the TV's on, volume's all the way up. She grabs a remote, she pushes the volume down, turns off the TV, sets it down, she turns around to go out of the room, and the TV turns back on and the volume goes to full blast again. And now, paranormally, that's weird. I also know a lot of people have similar TVs or cable boxes. So literally, if your neighbor just happens to be sitting there with his remote over his shoulder and he's pushing buttons randomly, he could be screwing with your life. How do I know this? Because I do it to my neighbors. <laughs> I have. I have a little fun with it. So she goes and she unplugs the TV. And heads back in, and as she turns around and starts coming back in, the DVD player turns on and the drawer starts opening and shutting. We'd had stuff like that. We'd heard voices in the house. Our youngest son's room, he wouldn't sleep in because of the man in his closet. And the laughter he would hear under his bed. So I got to use that room as my studio. So that was my radio studio. And on a final night, we had stripped everything else out of the house. It was all down there. The only thing left was my studio. And in my studio, I have my desk set up, my computer, all this, and I'm doing my live show. 
and it ends at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I say, thank you very much for tuning in. I'll be back again with you tomorrow night. And I turn off my microphone, outro music, and I'll suddenly hear the front door open and shut, and I hear somebody walking around, and it's 2 o'clock in the morning on a school night. So I'm like texting, I'm like, hey, one of the kids over here? No, they're all sleeping. Did you come over to surprise me? Nope. Shit. (laughs) So I creep into the closet like any respectable man would do. Shut the door and I call 911 and I tell them we're moving out. Maybe people saw us moving stuff so they're coming in to see if there's anything left to grab. We'll be right there. I get there. Schrader, what's the code for the garage? 666. Are you kidding me, sir? (laughs) Garage door goes up. Garage door comes back down. They go through the house. I'm staying in the closet where it's safe. (laughs) Don't judge me, folks. So I'm in the closet. Finally, I hear the do-do-do on the bedroom door. Mr. Schrader, police. I'm like, okay. I come out of the closet so they don't know I'm in the closet, right? <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, what's going on? They're like, well, we did a complete sweep. All the doors and windows are locked from the inside, and there's nobody in your home. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, what were you doing here so late? Well, I do a radio show, and I just got done, and I'll be moving all this stuff over. I was going to start packing the night. Let's go. And it was great because one cop's a big guy. And his partner's this little woman, maybe like five feet tall, right? She got on her bulletproof vest and everything, and she's standing there with her thumbs hitched in it. They're kind of talking to me and, like, trying to, why, you know, what did you hear? Are you sure? I said, yeah, I know what a door sounds like in footsteps. And as soon as I said that, all of a sudden you start hearing footsteps down in the kitchen area. And the two cops go, stay here. <laughs> and out come the guns. And they start going to check the rest of the house. So I went back in the closet. (laughs) And I shut the door. They're out checking everything, making sure everything's okay. They can't find anything. But they were a lot different this time. (laughs) Well, Mr. Trader, why don't we just leave? There's nobody in the house. But you heard the footsteps. Oh, we heard the footsteps. As a matter of fact, we heard the footsteps when we were standing in the room with the footsteps. Let's just go, and you can pack up tomorrow and move tomorrow. I'm like, really? I mean, maybe we should just do one more check. No, let's go. Let's go. I have a gun. Let's go. So we went. You know, I don't know if I brought one of those home with me or the ghosts just, you know, who wouldn't want to live with all this? Why is that so funny? Don't think I can't hear you laughing out there either. It's not funny. All right. Zach may have the six pack. I brought the keg. All right, let's see what else we have here. How did you get interested in ghost hunting, Pam Anderson wants to know. Pam Anderson's here? And I, and we, oh, there you are, Pam. Without your red swimsuit on, I didn't recognize you. My apologies. How did I get interested in ghost hunting? The ghosts hunted me from a very early age. I started seeing my grandmother's ghost. I lived in a haunted house in Medina, Illinois. So it's always just been kind of around me. Uh, and I had very sympathetic, empathetic parents that just, they never tamped it down or told me I was crazy or whatever. My dad would never fully admit to the stuff, but there were times he would come shooting upstairs when he'd hear somebody talking in the basement by him and realize there was nobody in the basement. My bedroom was in the basement, so he never really talked to me about it because he didn't want to freak me out. I've just always been around the paranormal and I've always had it in my life. How did Dave get into paranormal investigating to begin with? Leanne. Leanne, pay attention. Leanne's already asked this question, for God's sakes. 
<laughs> Unbelievable. This is what I have to deal with. <laughs> what is the scariest place you've investigated? Unsettling Palmer House in Sox Center, Minnesota is pretty unsettling because of the, the variety, the wide variety of paranormal activity that's taken place there. Waverly Hills has seen some of the most dramatic hauntings with shadowy figures and things blocking out the light from an entire hallway with blackness, um, hearing things, seeing things, amazing EVP. I don't go in frightened because, again, I'm going there. Right? Like I said, you don't go into a zoo and, oh, my God, there's lions and tigers and bears. That's where you go see them, right? I don't get frightened going to these places. It doesn't mean I don't get alarmed. And any of the, listen, guys, gals in the paranormal TV world field and all of you investigators out there who claim you never get frightened, (laughs) I know your dirty, dirty secrets. And the fact is, we all do get frightened. But it's like, it's not like frightened in the same sense. It's unsettled. You get surprised, shocked, and then you collect yourself and go back in to do what you need to do, right? So I'm not a big believer in walking in a place of fear when I do my investigations or go into any of these things because the fear overwhelms you then, and then that's what's controlling, and I don't want to be under something else's control. And I think that also makes you a much more viable target for negative energy or (laughs) ghosts that will want to mess with you, right? So that would be it. There's been scary elements, like the conference house that I did on the Holzer Files, it was scary for, again, psychological reasons. You know, we found out that this house is known as the conference house because for two hours in its 200-year history, Benjamin Franklin stood off against the King of England and his men. And they tried to bribe. And Washington was out dealing with the war, and he sent this group to go meet with the king's people. And he said, and I trust you. Whatever you agree upon, I'll back. And that means anything. And they offered Franklin and Washington and all of these proper titles and money and things to just stop fighting and let Britain have this piece of land. And Benjamin Franklin stood up and said, no, nope, we'll see you in battle. And he was a gentleman about it, right? As a matter of fact, they sent over a hostage first. And he's like, what are you doing? And they're like, well, you know, so that you know we're being serious. We're giving you one of our people. And he's like, no, send him back. We're gentlemen. Let's have this conversation. I thought, that's a cool story, right? This story, it's only like two hours of this entire history. And then we uncover the fact that, you know, there's a massive native indigenous people slaughter that took place there that nobody wants to talk about anymore. And that's brutal. And when I was down in the basement, I started hearing something scratching at the rock from outside. We were below ground, something scratching at the rock. And it's answering my questions like a K2 meter. But psychologically, it freaked me the flip out because all I could imagine was some kind of skeleton just scratching at the wall. And it it was terrifying and heartbreaking. But it got us to go outside, and that's where we had our connection. It was really powerful. And what was so scary about it is to realize how much of history we don't know or has been hidden from us because it's an ugly part of our past we don't want to remember. And we really need to. We really need to know and embrace what we've done so that, as it says, we don't do it again. We learn from history. So that was a scary situation because of realizing they were these colonialists. It wasn't even the first Americans. It was really the British settlers who came over to take over, not the people that came here to begin America. They made deals with the native tribes 
And then when they wanted more room and they started fighting them, they literally took the women and children and slaughtered them in the water there while the men watched. And then they threatened the men. And that, to me, is that's more horrific than any ghost will ever see. And why I walked very carefully on that ground and was apologetic to him as much as I possibly Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you'd do if, say, you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Maybe take a nap? Read a book? Or just show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're like me, you think, I can get through a lot. And we can. We're a resilient species. However, there are times that we need to reach out that hand and get a little help from somewhere else. That's what I did with BetterHelp. When I reached that limit and I realized things were getting a little bit out of control, instead of taking it out on my family or taking it out on myself, I just decided to reach out and get the help that I deserve. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my darklings. Get BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com P60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash P60. It's time to take control of your life. Dave's here rooting you on, and if I can do this, you can do this. Let's do this together. BetterHelp.com slash P60. There's a link for it on today's program guide. Autumn wants to know what's the scariest moment on any of my investigations. Well, obviously people think because I got thrown and bitten that those would be it. I think probably uh, going back again, the Palmer house, we had something called the psychomantium. It's a mirror that you hang in a dark room with no other light source. You just use one little candlelight. You stare into the mirror, mirror scrying, and you can look directly into your own face. You can look, I always look over the tip of my ear into the blackness behind me, and I just let my eyes relax. And it's kind of like those 3D puzzles that you'd see. It was just a myriad of tie-dye colors. And then when you let your eyes kind of go out of focus, all of a sudden you see the Statue of Liberty. That's what it would be like. So you're just kind of letting the candle do its thing, and you stare off. And people were having really wild experiences. And it was an event similar to this. And uh, this girl said, Dave, I really want to do this, but I don't want to do it alone. And I'm like, well, that's the whole point. You, you, you need to be alone. You can't have somebody influencing you or distracting you from the moment. She wanted it so bad, and she wouldn't do it unless I came down there. So I'm a gentleman. I'll go with you. We'll try this. So she stood up on the dais and stood in front of the mirror, and I sat on a chair below the dais trying to keep out of her view, but I could still see the mirror, doing my best to be helpful because I'm a man, and a beautiful woman wanted me alone in a dark basement. (laughs) I said I'm a giver. I want to help people have an experience. She stood there, and I'm kind of watching the, the mirror, and all of a sudden I hear her go, <gasps> and I, I tip just enough to look at the mirror without getting too much into her view, and there is a child in the mirror moving towards us, and my brain broke. And then all of a sudden, at the bottom of the curved mirror, you just saw this 
floppy blonde hair and face kind of pop up and look at us and then went back down and she goes oh my god tell me you saw that now I'm the big bad ghost hunter right so I'm like yeah I saw it nothing to worry about <laughs> that's what I said <laughs> what I looked like was <laughs> totally cool you're fine there's nothing to worry about right absolutely terrified of this moment and then I'm still trying to and it's so dark and I'm just trying to get into the mindset of what just happened because when you have a, an experience like that your brain just tries to scramble and make sense of any of it so I take off my glasses and I'm rubbing my eyes and I'm looking off into the dark to let my eyes just adjust to the dark and then I turn back around and she's still standing on the dais and her shadow behind her is really dark and I'm like Jesus her shadow's dark I don't think shadows stand behind you. Don't they usually fall on the wall if the light source is in front of you? And now, mind you, where I'm sitting, my face is about ass level there, right? So I'm kind of glancing and I'm leaning forward a little bit to look, and the shadow behind her goes... Right. Luckily, she saw the fluctuation in light behind her. She goes, can we leave now? And I'm like, yeah, if you want to. And then being the man, I go, just walk over there and turn on the light, would you? So she reached over, turned on the light, and we left. And then I told her what I saw and what had happened, and she told me what she had saw. So that was a really freaky moment because this shadow bent over. I didn't have red glowing eyes. It wasn't anything. Maybe that's just the guardian that's with each one of us, you know, and was wondering why I was staring so intently at her ass in the darkness. It's like, what are you looking at? I don't know. Uh, another, what is the scariest place? I kind of, I've answered those. There's not many times I found myself really frightened. It's been more just shock and awe kind of things. And if there's any other questions from the audience, feel free to raise your hand. Yes. I was just wondering if you've ever encountered a full body apparition. Um, if you can't hear off off uh, camera, he just asked how I maintain this youthful look for so long. <laughs> Did I misunderstand the question? <laughs> what was the question? Full body apparition. Uh, yes, I am a full bodied apparition. <laughs> full body. Oh, my button came up and looked. <laughs> they are starved for men in Wabashaw. That's all I can understand. Nobody responds like that, for God's sakes. I've married three times, never once has a wife gone, woo, when they see that unleashed. Um, have I ever seen, yes, I've seen full-bodied apparitions. My grandmother used to appear to me when I was a child and talk to me and read to me. Gosh, I just, when I was out at Hillview Manor last week, when we were down in the basement doing a deal, a full figure walked past the door. We saw full figure spirits on uh, Holzer Files. The one episode when I'm down in the basement, Bob Mazziello's home, that's where they see this boy's ghost, or this kid's ghost in the basement. Bob Mazziello's a nice guy, but he's digging out under his house, underneath his foundation, beyond his foundation. This house is literally standing up on pilings of dirt, which is scary. So I go in, I see the, you know, I see something on my SLS camera, my cameraman, my director goes, follow it. So I'm Oh, all right, and I start following it. We go back, and we get back in this little tunnel area. And this is now no longer under his house, so this is prime time for everything to come down, right? But I'm, I'm sitting there with the camera and my recorder, and I'm talking to the camera guy who's standing across from me. And at one point, I turn to talk to him, and when I turn, this kid 
comes walking past and he just does this. Right, and I saw him with my eyes. And like a badass ghost hunter, I screamed like a three-year-old girl <laughs> and flew backwards. And I hit, this guy had, um, because it was kind of a dodgy basement, he had that pink fiberglass wall, you know, the pressed, like, styrofoam. And I didn't know that. When I hit it, I went through it like the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> so as I'm going through it, I catch myself with my fingertips on the brick part, and I'm, like, dangling backwards. And I'm, whoa! And the camera guy's like, Hold still, i got to get another angle. <laughs> okay. And he runs around to get another shot, and then he's like, Oh, no, don't move. And I'm like, Don't move. You try to hold this mass together. And he's like, Hold on. And they get me, and he gets me uprighted. And in the, the pink styrofoam is my head and shoulders punched through. Directly behind it is this guy's collector rack of expensive wines. Yeah, so I find out that this guy has over a million dollars worth of wine in his basement, and we were this close from just whoosh. And it's funny, because Shane and Cindy upstairs, two floors away from me, I'm in the basement, they hear my scream. So they're like, Dave, is everything okay? And I'm like, yeah, I think so. And they're like, we're coming down. And the camera guy's like, director's like, no, 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 deal with this right now, deal with it. I'm like, no, I'll be right upstairs. <laughs> Everything's fine. And they're like, we're coming down, we're worried about you. I'm like, no, I'm all right. And I had to deal with the, the moment he wanted to just get my genuine, actual reactions to the whole thing. And uh, So that was kind of freaky. So I've seen quite a few different apparitions through my, through my years of investigating. Yes, any other question? Lisa wants to know if I protect myself. Yes, I do. I do wear gemstones, things that are meant to ground, protect, uh, kind of psychically shield me. But I also, when I do these investigations, sometimes I'll take them off, sometimes I wear them, but I'm sending the intention to be open to have the experience. I do most of mine are in prayer after the fact. And when I leave a location, I do prayer, and then before I enter my home, I do prayer, just to kind of separate the energies from me and hopefully restore myself and leave it that way. So I do that kind of protection. Yes? Uh, I was just wondering, first impressions, this is day one of two here at the Anderson House. Right. How do you feel? Wait, so this far? is day two of day, day two. Day one of two, what? No, day two of two. Day sure. Day yeah. Day two of okay, so we We're having time slip know. phenomena right now. Anyway, I get it. Uh, what's your impression? Like, Do you feel like there's a lot of activity here, not a lot of activity? I feel like it's, um, again, because I'm not a medium, I'm a 3XL, I feel that there's energy here. Um, I don't feel it's real interactive yet. I know that the employees and the people that are here have a lot of activity take place. I kind of felt like they were watching us more last night in the, the areas I was. I, I'm not saying it's not haunted. We got some EVP and we had some people have experiences. And when I was down in the basement by this room where they tell me a lot of activity takes place and they have it locked off, I banged on the wall and something banged back. So I know there's something going on here. I'm hoping for the second night we'll have more activity take place. But again, only if it's positive, right? I don't want negative stuff happening to any one of you unless I've got a camera and I can cash in on it. Yes? What do you think of seances? <clears throat> what do I think of seances? Just another tool in a paranormal investigation. You know, we've done seances on Holzer files. <clears throat> we caught some really cool activity. You know, we were doing the one at the table, and can't remember what the house was, and somebody walked past the door. We caught it on camera, the dress swaying around the corner, I think it was. Um, so we've, we've, I like it. 
I've only been a part of a couple big seances. Um, I've never been to one of the like major ones where they've got one of the professional mediums that come in, the, the, the trance mediums or the uh, physical mediums where they have things go on. Um, but I'd love to learn more about it. Yes. So, yes. Do you have some place that you want to go to? Is there a place I want to go that I haven't been able to get into? Uh, well, White House. <laughs> they keep denying me. Boy, you show your penis online twice. Suddenly the White House doesn't want you. Uh, whatever. Said, vote for... I'm not uh, um, no, I've been really lucky. I've had a chance to investigate just about every place that I want to. And as I learn more, I'm like... Oh, I got to check that place out. Somehow, I find myself going there and getting a chance to go. So I've I've been to Romania, Scotland, Ireland, Germany, and Prague. Uh, I've been to England, uh, Australia, and I know I'm forgetting a few other countries. But I, Egypt, yeah, we got to go to Egypt and go into King Tut's tomb with just our group of like 15 to 20 people. So I really had an amazing time getting to see all these things. So it's just kind of like one of those. I'm hoping I'll get to them all at some point. I don't want to call it a bucket list because I feel like once you cross them off, <laughs> just re-adding. Just keep re-adding, yeah. Have you done the Lizzie Borden house? Have I done the Lizzie Borden house? Yes. Yeah, there's a documentary to prove it called The Curse of Lizzie Borden, now on Max. <laughs> so if you have Discovery Plus or Max, check out The Curse of Lizzie Borden. I went along with Chris Fleming. Sam Beltrusis, who's a, a distant relative of uh, Lizzie's, and then um, oh my gosh, forget her name. I'm so sorry. It's the only time I got to work with her. Uh, lovely little woman from uh, the East Coast who does EVP work. Oh, I feel so bad. I'm sorry, but she was great. We caught a lot of EVP. We caught a lot of really weird experiences there, and we did a séance in that episode. And I had one of okay. There's one of the more terrifying experiences. Um, we were all holding hands doing the seance, having Chris, my friend, Chris Fleming, the medium, lead the seance. And we're all holding hands, and at one point, underneath the table, you hear something going around knocking underneath the table. Really disturbing, right, because we're in a very cramped little space. All the camera guys are surrounding us and the door frames and everything filming us. And all of a sudden, I'm holding hands with Chris, and his hand is just jerking and flipping out on the table. And I'm literally got my eyes closed. We're supposed to stay in the moment, focus. And I'm like, what the hell is wrong with him? Is, is he having a seizure? And then he lets go of my hand. And I realized it was my hand. And I'm like, and it felt like, oh, what the hell? And then I realized it was like this whole arm was not under my control. And at first I'm thinking, am I having a seizure? And then Chris, I hear him go, I kept my eyes closed through the whole thing. I just wanted to try to be in the moment. He's like, I know what's happening. Give me a pen. Give me a pen. And so he put a pen in my hand and paper. And I started to automatic write, which I did not like. I fought it, and I really wish I wouldn't have fought it for two reasons. One, it hurt like hell for the next week because I was fighting against something so hard. And as it might be hard to tell, I don't work out much. (laughs) So fighting against something for 20 minutes in my arm was very unsettling. When I did relax enough, it would write things out that were disturbing and sad and you know it was very uncomfortable and then Leanne Jonas was the other woman and it kind of leapt over to her and I was happy that I was done with it but it was very unsettling 
and I, I if, don't ask things to work through you. And I was, and that was my stupidity at the beginning of the night. I'm like, make yourself known, use me, come through me if you need it. Because I'm thinking it's not going to come through me. It's going to come through the good looking psychic, right? <laughs> and uh, Chris, unbeknownst to me, is like, uh, don't come through me. You need to come through Dave. He needs to become more aware of his abilities and you know the spirit realm because I know he sees me do it but I want him to know how real this is. I didn't know he did that, and then I set the intention for myself to be open, and something happened. And then we never properly closed it down because we had such an emotional shoot on that series that I went off to film two months later for Ghost of Devil's Perch, and in episode two or three when we hit the cabbage patch and I felt something, felt like it ruptured me or like lightning hit me, I thought I was dying having a heart attack, uh, they uh, rushed me into the hospital to check on me. Um, turns in, I, I walked into a place memory, and I was very open. And when I told Cindy about the automatic writing, she goes, "Man, you're you're wide open." You know, and she started coaching me how to shut it down. And I called Chris, and he's like, "Oh yeah, my bad. I should have showed you how to shut that down." Thanks, Chris. So, yeah, Lizzie Bordenhouse is crazy. Yeah, please check it out. Curse of Lizzie Borden, Demon in the White House, not what you think. It's just a documentary about all the strange paranormal goings-on and also the fact that there were a few of the first ladies that would call in spiritualists and do seances inside the White House. Could it have opened a portal for evil to get into our our country and corrupt it? You guys watch the documentary, you tell me what you think. Yes, any other questions? Yes, sir. Uh, When it comes to these programs that you're in, He wants to know if I pitched the TV shows I've been in. No, I've been lucky. Holzer Files was approached. They approached me. We want you to be a part of a paranormal show. I don't know. Well, it's you and two others going into locations, and I'm like, oh, isn't that called Ghost Adventures? And I was was a dick. I didn't want to do it because I didn't want to just be another cookie cutter. And they're like, no, this is a lot different. And I'm like, doesn't sound a lot different. They're like, well, we can't give you some of the details until you sign the non-disclosure. I'm like, all right, let me sign the non-disclosure. I signed the non-disclosure, and they came back with, we're reopening Dr. Hans Holzer's files. You'll be the lead investigator. I said, sign me up right on the spot. So they had already hired Cindy. Then they hired me. And then we went through three other people that they were trying to hire as a tech. And then finally, I did the chemistry test with Shane. And it was fun because I did with two other guys that were great guys, but it just wasn't for them. And Shane comes on, and Shane's from Georgia. And it was winter, I think it was January, and you guys live in Minnesota, you know what it's like here. Well, they wanted me to be in a room with natural light, which doesn't exist in Minnesota in January. So I had like a three seasons porch. Three seasons means you don't use it in the winter. That's the one season. So I went out there, and it was one of those days when it was like 20, but with the wind chill it was like negative 16. And I get on and The lady turns on my camera, turns on Shane's camera, and she's like, guys, welcome. It's a pleasure. Shane, this is Dave. Dave, this is Shane. Oh, good to meet you. Good to meet you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How's your day going? He goes, man, I'm freezing in Georgia. It's like 65 degrees. And I turn to him and I go, f*** you. And he's just shocked. And I go, and I, I point out my thermometer that's like the... It's dripping out the bottom. It's so cold. And I go, it's negative 16 here. And he goes... What the hell's wrong with you people living like that? And we just had this great back and forth where I would sweep his legs out from underneath him. He'd do the hangdog, 
and then come back at me, and we had this great brotherhood. And uh, they, like, I think he was hired the next day, and we started filming a week later. So it was pretty, pretty fast turnaround, and we had a great time doing it. But it was, they saw that. So what you see on TV between the two of us is very real. We're like that all the time. You know, I'm always putting him down, joking around, picking on him. He'll take a couple shots at me, and I pretend to be hurt by it. <laughs> so we have a good time. He's a great guy, and, and that's why I said I'd always love to work with Cindy and Shane again if we hopefully get that opportunity. Yes. So another hand or two? Yes. Okay. Laura wants to know what, what has been your uh, <laughs> <laughs> Laura, you're going to have to channel through somebody better because... Sorry, Laura. Um, just use you emojis. You can't. Most, words is hard. Words is hard. Yeah. Your most emotional investigations. Oh, you already know my most emotional investigations. You just want to see if you can make me cry in front of people. <laughs> uh, that would far and away the Lambert Castle episode in Ohio. I woke up that morning getting ready to investigate. I'd already read the file. It was very thin. Hans Holzer had been there three times, and on the third time he was thrown out, which was rare. And uh, we wanted to get to the bottom of what was going on, and is there still a haunting? The same family no longer owned the house, but we were going to try to go get some answers. And it had been on other shows, and they had gone with the stories that were told to them. And we went in, and uh, as I'm scrolling around that morning, I hit this moment in my timeline where two years prior, that day, I was in the hospital with my daughter who almost died from uh, complications of diabetes. And... It just kind of hit me, and I'm like, wow, how could that be two years? You know, that's... And then we go to film that day, and I'm sitting down with the historian, and uh, and she's telling me about the ghosts and then the little girl, and I go, oh, how did she pass? Do we know? And she goes, yeah, complications of diabetes. And my eyes just started to well up. And I'm trying to formulate how I'm going to speak because I know I'm going to choke. And she's looking at me, and my eyes are just welling up, and tears are streaking down my cheek. And I'm going to just power through this. I'm a professional. And the camera guy sitting behind her looks up over the camera and he's like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm just like, and she stops talking. She was a pro. I didn't crack, so she didn't crack. She just kept telling the story. And then I go, I'm, I go to ask this question, like, you know, something like, um, and how long after did her parents pass? But it came out more like, thank you. And I'm like, what the hell is wrong? Well, Shane was out with our director. He would take notes. You see me take notes in those scenes. He would take notes so we'd make sure we covered everything in case I forgot. Sometimes I'd get so involved in their story, I wouldn't jot everything down. So he was my backup. So I kept trying to get through it, and I couldn't. And I finally just stood up. I'm like, I need a break. And uh, I walked out into the hall and just started sobbing. And Shane came up and gave me this big bear hug. And it gets me emotional just thinking about it. But it was just so overwhelming to know that this little girl, all she wanted was her daddy. And I was that close to having that situation. And it just crushed me. You f***ing suck. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't ask stupid questions about emotions. Emotions are for humans. I am clean on, damn it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Coming for you. So uh, I bawled like a baby through the whole episode. I was just destroyed and trying to figure things out, but it, it came together in a really beautiful way in the sense that this little girl only made her spirit known to other children. And we were three adults. And what chance did we stand? And 
I thought, and I said, all right. And I contacted my daughter, and I said, this is the case. Little girl died from complications of diabetes. She's trying to find her daddy. What questions do you have? So she made two little videos of five questions each, and we use it on the episode. So my daughter. Nice. <laughs> my daughter got to be a part of that episode. And I think we brought them back together. I think the ghosts found themselves, and we were very proud of that episode. But that was a tough one, because just as a dad, even if it wasn't affecting me in that way, hearing that little girl wanting her dad, and, you know, Hans picked up an EVP he didn't even know he had. His recorder, when he went in, would freak out. And during one of the times when he's talking, you hear the little girl calling for her daddy. And he didn't realize what he had. We cleaned it up and found it. Um, and then we caught the same voice 50 years later. So it was pretty powerful. And that was a tough one because Dee, the daughter, did not want to believe the stories that we uncovered. Because her family told her, this is the history. These are the bad things that happened. This is the family that lived here. And it was greatly exaggerated and twisted. And horrible things were said about this family that weren't true. And when we told Dee, she didn't like it. Understandably. And I was very respectful of that. We had to have this confrontation with her. We did. And it you know, didn't go great because she didn't want to hear that her parents lied and took advantage of people. So it was a tough, tough deal. But we told the truth. I think the name of that episode is called Final Word. So we kind of put the final stamp on it. We, we made something happen. What's interesting is I did get her to flip because we got her to admit that she thinks her mom might have been possessed by the mother of the household who did not like mediums. And when Han showed up the third time with a medium, because his equipment wouldn't work, she threw him out. But her personalities flipped like that. So the thought was maybe Mama had stepped in and thrown Hans out instead. So just a really powerful story. But that was probably one of the most emotional. And there were others that choked us up. That was rough. I literally cried almost every scene we were in that house. I just start crying because it was so heartbreaking. Trying to communicate with this little girl, listening to my daughter ask the questions. But then she made herself known. I think she saw the vulnerability. The spirit saw we weren't there to hurt her or exploit her. And we were trying to bring her back together with her family. And she made her appearance on audio, and we caught a great apparition on camera. So in the final scene when we're saying goodbye, we had a Ouija board out, and we were trying to close all the prior... Uh, Ouija board sessions that nobody had ever closed properly. We were, that was our goal for bringing it, not to stir things up, but to try to close them down. And while we did it, the little girl appeared right on the little step that I'd been sitting on doing the EVP work. She just starts glowing and appears there for a few seconds and then fades back into darkness. And it's a really powerful episode. So that one gets me. Even watching it just ruined me. So I was sitting there with my daughter watching it. But she's still here, so that's good. <laughs> How about the happiest thing? Oh, no good. Mm, choked up. So, yeah, ghosts, they'll get to you, huh? Um, hearing the stories, that's, again, why I love this stuff. Is you know, we're brought in, and I, I thought, isn't it interesting that that story was brought to me? Out of all the hundreds of cases, to have that story align on that day, and that's what we had to investigate, maybe that's what gave us the right thing to do. So that's what we did. So that's it. My nose is running. My eyes are running. I need a napkin. Uh, any other last questions, thoughts, concerns? Nobody? 
you know, the fu- okay, funniest moments were uh, when Shane and I would spend time. I felt bad for Cindy. She always was isolated because we couldn't hang out with her in case we'd slip and say something. So Shane and I hung out all the time doing stupid stuff and going to cemeteries to look up famous people's graves and visit and do stuff and go find places to eat. We were in New York City and we're trying to find a place to eat this one day and everything's closed down because it was, you know, COVID. And uh, we're driving around. And uh, we found a place called the Young and Juicy Cafe. And, and Shane goes, I ain't eating nothing called Young and Juicy. I go, I am. Let's go. And we got there, and it was closed. And it was a juice cafe, right? But there was a white panel van with their back door open. So I told Shane, go stand over there. When you see me nod, yell out this. So I'm like, all right, this is Dave Schrader, and we're here at the Young and Juicy Cafe. We were starving. We came to eat something young and juicy, and there's nothing open, and we don't know what to do. Hey, Dave! Dave! And I turn around, and he goes, guy's got candy in this van. He says, if we want to come in, he'll give it to us. I'm like, candy, I'm in. So having moments like that, and then uh, my favorite was when we did the Underground Railroad House. Um, we were so excited to find out that this house might be on the Underground Railroad. The historian told us, I, we don't know, we believe it was. you know. And I said, well, how do we find out? Well, I don't know, it's going to be some Scooby-Doo. You're going to have to pull a candelabra and have the walls. Right? We don't know what we're looking for. So at the end of the night, we were in this back room. Cindy goes, there's something with the floor. And she's standing in front of this bookcase. She's like, there's something low. It's like the floor. I can't figure it out. So we're, Shane and I are tapping on the floor looking for a spot. Shane's over in the corner. I'm over here. And he goes over and he steps and a board pops up. And he goes, I think I found it. And I go running, right? And I'm so excited. And I like get down, slide down into it. And we just found the doorway to the underground, you know, deal. And I might have farted. <laughs> but it was like one of those little popcorn. It was just like, literally, it was just like a... Whatever, I'm excited, not a problem. Until I stand back up and realize, oh, it's a problem. And I'm like, what do I do or say, right? And so it's great. Shane pulls back the boards and he goes, wow, it smells horrible. And Cindy's standing there and she goes, that's that's the smell of death and decay. It's, oh, it's, there's, it's evil. There's something horrible down there. So the, the director looks at me and he goes, and I go, Shane, you're going to need to go down and check it. We had to check it. But these two kept railing and whining. Everybody, the camera crew, the song guys are laughing. The camera's like bouncing. Everybody's like, it smells. The whole And the great piece of the footage is, is I'm standing there like this the whole time. While everybody's oh, overreacting. I mean, I couldn't look more guilty. But then Shane crawls down in there. And we find out that's not it. That's just the place to go to to get to the pipes underneath the house. And Shane pops his head up and it just hung like a toxic gas. He goes, yeah, there's nothing. I got it in my mouth. I got it in my mouth. It's horrible. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah, so that was one of the funnier moments of doing the show. And then they're like, keep looking, keep looking. So look at it. And Cindy goes over to this bookshelf. And she's like trying to open the bookshelf and it wouldn't move. She's pushing the back panels and then she stops before she touches the last panel on the bottom, very bottom. And she goes, I don't think, I don't know, I'm not picking up any. I can't, I felt like it was right in this area. So I reach down and there's the last one and it's real low. And I reach down and I poke it and it swings open. And I go, oh, Shane, get in there. 
no way I'm getting my fat ass underneath this thing. And Shane's like, oh, man, really? There's spiders in there. And I'm like, man up, son! So he went in, and then he had a very powerful experience in there as well with the ghost. Maybe there wasn't a ghost. Maybe he was still just from inhaling hypoxic fumes. I don't know. I don't, nobody can ever know. And the last funny bit was when we're driving uh, the one time, and this was before that. This was early on. We were maybe three or four episodes in, and we're driving, and uh, it's really cold out. We've got the heated seats on. And I'm like, man, that lunch did not sit well with me. And I go, crank down the windows, man. I got to. And he goes, you, it's freezing outside. I'm not rolling on the windows. I'm a man. I could take it. <laughs> so I put my seat heater to high. <laughs> and then I locked the windows. And he's like, yeah, we're going to, whoa! What is that? Whoa! Just, and he just got done telling me he's got an iron stomach. And I kid you not, like the cats in those videos, he starts going, oh, it's horrible. What did you do? Are you sick? Do I have to take you to the hospital? And I, I just laughed. I go, I thought you got a stomach of iron. He goes, yeah, but apparently my nose ain't as strong. So that's it. I hope you guys enjoyed some weirdness, some laughter, some tears. Thank you all. If you find yourself in Wabashaw, make sure you check out this amazing hotel. Come on down to the Anderson House Hotel. Get a room. Spend the night. See the spirits. Enjoy the delightful food. And uh, I want to thank Greg again from Ghost Box Radio. Check him out at 9.50 a.m. in the Twin Cities. I think you can also stream the show there as well. I want to thank them, uh, Shar and Greg, for inviting me to be a part of this. And to all of you, the cast of thousands, loud round of applause for yourself. Thank you. Oh, really? For yourself? You'll clap that loud. I don't get no respect. All right, until next time, this is Rick from Pawn Stars signing off.